Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris, and we've ended another year. That's it, 2022, and I suspect things will be even more interesting in the business world this year. I'm especially curious to explore the expanding innovations of Web3. Yeah, the metaverse. That's it, the metaverse and the next generation of opportunities. Now, if you've got no clue what I'm talking about, don't worry, because this podcast is going to help make sure that you know what it is, that's the metaverse, is by the end of this year. So this brings me to today's guest. Clayton Larkin. He's a Chief Investment Officer at PAC Capital, P-A-C Capital. P-A-C is an independent investment manager. And as of this moment, he's taking on two key interests that include esports and innovation funding, particularly esports. That's competitive gaming, which is an industry moving at an exponential pace. To give you an idea of just how big it is at the moment, more people watch some form of esports than they did that of normal sports in 2020. That's right, it is bigger than normal sports. Think about that for a second, which is exactly what's getting Clayton so excited about this emerging space, and in particular for his investors in his fund. Because as we mentioned in our chat, we're experiencing a deeper social shift right now, right here, and as of this year in particular. And it's very easy to become overwhelmed by it all, but I want you to start to get a sense of the opportunity and familiarize yourself with the innovations coming out of esports, Web3, Metaverse, etc. Because this is going to have a huge impact on business and the way we invest in the future. So let's get into it. Clayton Larkham, welcome to Mentor, mate. Thanks, Mark. Good to be here. Good to see you. You too. So I've got to declare early that I I have an investment in one of Clayton's um, businesses. We'll talk about it a bit later. <laughs> so I've just got to make that clear. Um, yeah. And the reason he's here is not because I've invested in one of his business. The reason he's here is because he's got a really interesting story and I want mm. to talk about the sort of stuff he does. And and we'll talk about it later, but I, I guess um, probably what interests me right now is you're a kid from Dubbo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dubbo, country yeah. kid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and how you've done what you've done. You've done a pretty amazing job in a, competing against big guys in a very mm. short period. So I probably want to go back to – your country roots, and uh, tell me for a start. Sure. I'd be interested. Tell me a little bit about Dubbo or growing up in Dubbo. What did, I mean, I've never, I've been there a couple of times, but I don't really know the joint. It's, it's a fairly wealthy town now. It's does it's work. a fairly big town. It's one of the biggest rural country towns in Western New South Wales. There is. Um, I didn't really see much of that growing up because I went to the zoo, Western Plains Zoo. That's yep. there, and um, had a great upbringing. Simple Dubbo public school, and and it was a great upbringing of sport. 
um, good family life and it was a simple upbringing. I was fortunate enough, I have two older sisters and they, uh, the plan was to do as much as um, schooling in Dubbo as we can and then, and then my parents wanted the opportunity to send us to a Sydney school for everything it has to offer. And I was actually, my sisters went to, uh, came to a school here that were a bit older than me and I was fortunate enough to get a scholarship. I went straight after primary school up to school here. Which school did you go to? To Scots College. What was it like to become a boarder at Scots after you've been living at home? Your parents in uh, the country town, Dubbo. I was pretty homesick, actually. Yeah, like, yeah. I was really homesick for a while. And my parents ended up moving to Sydney a few years later um, when I sort of was mid, midway through my, my high school career. But they moved to Manly. And rugby was and um, training was going late. And so I just stayed boarding because it made sense. So, yeah, Scots is a big rugby school. Big rugby school. Like, Important for Scots from Scots point of view, we well, used to be anyway. Yeah, because one of my sons went there, but it's important to win. It's, it's sort of like um, a, like a gladiatorial thing, nearly the way totally. the, the whole thing's set up, and uh, you know you get this Joe boys over there yeah. chanting and singing and the whole thing going on. And you get the Scots boys <laughs> yeah. putting it back to them. Yeah, it's like the Highlanders. And Joey's a centre the other side of the field, so yeah, you can't to- really hear them. Totally, it's, <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's actually, like, like, I used to enjoy going to those games. Mm. Yeah, but, but what is it? I mean, because I'm trying to get to the bottom of why someone like you do, end up doing what you do. As I said, I was pretty homesick for the first year, and probably more than other kids, and I sort of felt a little bit, why do I feel like this? And my parents were there to support me, and I sort of ended up reaching out to a few older kids who sort of went through what I'd done, and I sort of found I always sort of seemed to be friends with the older, the older guys at school, whether I was playing rugby in a higher level or tennis or academic classes, or, or I just felt that that happened. And, I think that I, 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 I don't know if this made me where I got to today, but I was always pushing the limits. I was always trying to get in that upper team. When you're in year seven and you're mm. homesick, you haven't got your mum and dad mm. sitting there mm. and your older sisters aren't sitting there um, and you're a boarder mm. in Sydney out of the country area, <laughs> you're ahead with boys who are 18, 17 and 18. Do you, do you think a young man automatically sees mentorship? I, I seeked it. I definitely seeked it because yeah. I feel like I needed it. I, I didn't really realise what I needed at the time. Yeah, yeah. And I – and that sort of has been through all my career, which I'll touch on today, that I have sort of always been searching for that, that mentor side of things, you know, even when probably we first met a year ago when I, yeah. when I sort of asked you, can I come up to your office and talk to you for, for about certain things I'm doing? And I wasn't scared to ask for a bit of help, essentially. I needed to because I wanted that. Well, you're forced to, to some extent. Sort of, yeah, yeah, like I sort of had to. But then I, I, I instantly became into this leadership role, which – Within my own peers, I always thought in my career so far that I've always pushed into levels of jobs through investment banks and trying to get certain, um, trying to achieve certain levels. But it wasn't until I started my business about three years ago where I really had to step into that CEO role and have a business that started with one or two employees and now 15, 20. I actually really enjoy the learning part of it and teaching more than I ever thought I would. I just thought that I was. My own it sounds, I don't mean to say it like this, but sort of my, my own talent in myself. I didn't think that I would enjoy teaching other people what I do as much as I do. So would you say that you learned that leadership is about teaching and fostering other people's talents? Yeah. What I learned most is listening. I, I, I was never a good listener. I didn't think about that, but that's something that I've really tried to do a lot of. Because in business, you know, to run your business properly, you've got to be mm. a fucking good leader. You've mm. got, and to be a good leader, and everyone's got different ways to do it, but you've got to be, mm. I think it's important to be able to, to listen. 
That, yeah. that makes a lot of sense to me. And you only learn to listen to others that you want to teach after you've learned mm. how to listen to learn mm. in the first mm. place, which is mm. what you were doing in year seven. Yeah. So after Scott's, uh, what happened? What did you do after school? After school, I went to Sydney Uni, fell in love with finance, um, played rugby for Sydney Uni for my first Colts and then went to grade, but then uh, tennis said come back and play tennis, so I played tennis. <laughs> and I wasn't really – I was never wanted to have a sporting career. I was just – I enjoyed it and it opened up a lot of doors for me, right? That's what it did. I, it allowed me to meet a lot of people, but academic and economics is where I really zoned in at uni. When I went to school, I, I didn't have that thought mm. in my mind and I was a good sport. Rugby league sport, yeah, rugby league yeah. school. But but I remember there were other kids mm. like Graham Hughes was in my 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 school my class and mm. my side. And I remember when I was like uh, oh, maybe fifteen, so I remember him saying to me, well, not saying to me, saying to the class that he was going to have a career in rugby league, and uh, he didn't need to study because he was going. And I used to think, wow, like I I, I couldn't work mm. that. I've never heard of any of that sort of shit. Like, mm. um, how could you have a career in rugby league? Mm. And but he knew then. Mm. That rugby league would provide for him a platform to mm. have a career, and still today he's got a radio show, and mm. he still does that today. And uh, he knew that when he was fifteen. I didn't have any idea mm. of that sort of shit. Like I, mm. I just went to school, did whatever I did, play sport, my study. I wasn't that um, uh, zoned in on mm. and able to articulate these things. I never wanted to or thought that I would I would be a sports player, but I knew what did it do for me? Jeez, that it gave me great skills in a team environment, rugby, for example. To know how to be a captain of a team and have 15 guys around you to talk about strategy and navigate some guys who are down or nervous or scared, like, you know, those things are awesome things to learn at a young age. Then you've got an individual sport like tennis, which is just you on a court fighting against one guy for three hours to win. Like you are battling you and your head. Like, you know, it's you are learning awesome things about yourself. I've always been a pretty good forward planner. I always like try and I've got the next 10 years mapped out in my head right now. <laughs> and I reckon I did then. I reckon I sort of knew that, geez, I'm learning good skills. And wow, this is going to give me a scholarship to Sydney Uni if I play first rugby. If I, I never thought I'd go away and play. It, it gave, when I went to Hong Kong, which I'll, I'll touch on, I ended up playing in the first grade Hong Kong team, which enabled me to get a, a contact, which enabled me to get this job over there. So it opened up. A lot of areas I didn't think were going to happen, but yeah, when I think about my, mm. I must be just an instinctive person, just mm. did whatever was put in front of me, and I didn't really have a plan around it. Mm. But you must have been one of those other guys like Graham Hughes. I mean, you were one of those guys who wasn't instinctive, you were instinctive, but on mm. top of that, you were purposeful. You you knew, and I think in business we've got to develop that. If we haven't already, we've got to develop that those efficiencies. Mm. What happened after um, Sydney Uni? So. Mm. Your first job at yeah. J.P. Morgan, was that right? Morgan Stanley. Morgan so, Stanley, not J.P. Morgan. So I applied for an internship. These banking internships are quite uh, hard to get. 7,000 kids applied for this, this um, internships. I really wanted this one at Morgan Stanley. Seven interviews later. How would you know about it? First, how would you uh, know? You're at university. How would you know about Morgan Stanley? They, You're a kid from Dubbo. Like, yeah, because I studied the economics and commerce for three years at uni and, the, come and the banks come in and, and try and promote the UBS talks and yeah, yeah. J.P. Morgan. And Did you go to those though? Yeah, yeah. I didn't go to any of them. I mean, I was at, yeah. I did commerce law at Can- uh, University of New South Wales, and I never. They come on our campus, Deloitte's, everybody, mm. uh, Price Waterhouse, KPMG, mm. Pete Mark Mitchell. I never went to one one of those fucking mm. things. I mm. got 
I don't know why. How was it you were tuned into that? Well, was it the rugby union? Did the, the guys in your rugby union team tell you about it? Uh, a couple of guys did, but I had a, I had two cousins who uh, were on the trading floors of BlackRock, the world's biggest yep. fund that manages trillions of dollars, and uh, another cousin who was at Citibank at that time. And I, I, I looked up to these cousins. They were 10 years older than me, and I really wanted to be on the trading floors that you see, and, 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 and it, just, it just hit a nerve with me that, it was almost like a competitive rugby scrum that you see on the things there. But it's a, it, at the time, finance, one tick, a lot of boxes to me because it was fast-paced, adrenaline. It was trading was that, that one that I wanted to go to to start. Investment banking and like finance has a very, it's a very wide funnel. Mm. So there's a lot of areas to start. And I just, I just picked one and I picked one. I said, rather than not knowing what I'm doing, but I said, I'm going to do trading. And I didn't stop till I got it, and then I've gone through many facets of finance to get to where I am today. But so, so you started Morgan Stanley here in Oz. Yeah, so I, I applied for the internship, and this is a, an interesting one that I actually didn't get it. I, I actually got to the very last round, and HR called me on this Thursday and said, uh, "Bad luck, Clay. Um, try again next year. You missed out." And I was devastated. So I got a bus in from Sydney Uni, and Morgan Stanley are in Chifley Tower, and. The the managing director who who was the last interview he said no to me. I waited on the couch downstairs from nine a.m. until he came out to lunch at twelve, and I followed him through the city. And he was with all his mates, and he went to the restaurant Machiavelli's. Um, yep. He went down the stairs and down, and I was nervous. I was twenty one, and I was walked down the street for a while, and my legs were shaking. And I tapped him on the shoulder, and he was around this table with ten of his mates having a Friday lunch, and. He turned around and he's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, I, I interviewed with you yesterday and um, I missed out. And he's like, oh, mate, try again next year. And, and then anyway, I, was, I said, can I get two minutes of your time? And he said, all right, two minutes. Put him to the side of the restaurant. And I said, um, I don't really remember what I said, but I said, essentially, you've made a big mistake. I'm going to be a trader for the Citibank, Deutsche Bank, one of the banks, but I want to be on your bank and your team. And he said, mate, gutsy, thank you very much. Try again next year. HR called me and said, he just caught up and said, "I want that guy on my team. Start next week." That's how it all started. <laughs> that, well, that and that's that's interesting. So mm. you, you as a leap of faith, but you took a risk. Mm. It's a big deal. So Morgan Stanley, then do you end up in Hong Kong, Morgan Stanley? Yeah. So then the middle of GFC hit, and I moved over to Hong Kong. Um, I wasn't a trader yet; I was a trader's assistant because you yep. spent time to do that. Middle of GFC, against all advice, they said, "Don't go. Don't leave one of the world's biggest banks." And I moved over. I said, "I want to be a trader," and I lived on my sister's couch. My sister lived in Hong Kong. My sister and everyone said, look, there's no jobs in Hong Kong. Like, it's the middle of the GFC, go home. <laughs> and um, again, as I said, playing rugby, I, I, I met a guy who was, had a connection to a really senior person um, at, at, at JP Morgan. And um, I called him up Monday morning. I said, oh, I'm Clay Larkin. I've just arrived in Hong Kong. He said, man, I don't know if you know what's happening, but it's the middle of the GFC. And I fired 50 people yesterday, <laughs> jump on a plane and go back to Sydney. And he hung up. And then I called him back the next day at the same time. I said, oh, I, you know, Mike, I, I, um, I called you yesterday and, he, and he, had, he had a bad morning because he gave me a barrage of abuse. Don't you call me? Bang. And I called him the next day at the same time. And before he said anything, I said, Mike, before you say anything, I think we got cut off yesterday. And he burst out laughing. He said, get in here at 4 o'clock. And I said, he gave me a trading job the next Monday. I mean, is it just persistence? Yeah, I think so. I, th- I think it's persistence. And I never thought that. 
And I still today never, people say, what if something doesn't work? I, I just never thought that I wasn't going to work. I never thought that I was not going to be a trader. And I would sit there and I was going to grind away until I get what I want. And not what I want, but I suppose I just believed in myself. Right? But do you think it's also be, about being thick-skinned? Because a lot of people go, off. Oh, yeah, I yeah. Oh. I think that's a lot. I think that's come a lot from the rejections of everything, like sporting teams you miss out on. or my, That first job that I got as that trading's assist, trader's assistant on those trading floors, like those guys that are the senior traders there are brutal. Like here's 10 numbers, call up, and, and it was really intimidating. You, know, you would have to make cold calls all day to – 95% of the time they tell you to piss off and mm. smash the phone down. Like th that you grow quickly <laughs> in that and you, and you care less and less about no and realise that just it's just another number. Or, so, you know. And it's a numbers game. Numbers. So when you say, when I say thick skin, mm. would you maybe another word that you would put alongside mm. the word thick skin is resilience? Well, I think persistence is the one. Well, that's my company today is called PAC Capital and it stands for three acronyms, persistence, Ambition and consistency, the three yeah. values I stand by. Yeah, so, so persistence yeah, is a big one. It's funny. Uh, mm. um, I used to carry around in my, um, I used to have one of those black, thick black leather bound diaries mm. that everyone used to have before mobile phones came around. <laughs> and, um, and, I and I was given that by a, a partner of a law firm I worked for. He mm. gave it to me because he had one. And uh, I was traveling overseas with him and I was asking him about it and he, he said he, he'd buy me when he bought me one. And I still have that diary, but inside there was a, a little sleeve and inside that sleeve there was a piece of paper. There mm -hmm. is a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. And on the piece of paper um, was a little saying which was typed out, which he gave me and I tore it out and it's about persistence, how important persistence is. Oh, yeah. And, um, and like, he was, for me, the most brilliant lawyer I've mm -hmm. met. Mm -hmm. And you know, highly regarded, he's in his eighties these days. But mm. I kept that saying about persistence. I don't remember the saying there, but all I remember is how important persistence is. Mm. And and you know, some people mm. say you know you should never give up. Well, maybe it's not about not never giving up. Mm. It's not even thinking about giving up mm. or not giving up. It's about just being persistent. It's about being as opposed mm. to thinking about it. Mm. It's not a thought process. It's about just being a certain way. Yeah. Um, you don't overthink it. Don't think, oh, I'm, I'm going to keep calling back because, you know, he'll, he'll, she'll eventually yeah. say, no, no, I just call back. Just like you would call back at the desk, mm. your person you report to probably mm. gave you mm. 50 calls a day, mm. 50 names mm. to ring. Mm. Mm. And that's what you did. Mm. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and, 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 and once you threw that list, give, give, me, the next list. give me another, another list. Yeah, totally. So <laughs> persistence and thick skinned is what mm. you develop. The resilience is what you develop. But mm. it's because you're persistent. Mm. Your ambition is your thing. Um, that's that's a bit of a driver mm. that can give you energy, but the way you do it is you're always persistent, and yeah. uh, it's not too much thought around it. Yeah. yeah. So off the back of that, you, you develop yep. pack. Yeah. Yeah. See? Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Tell me what that is. Yep. So um, after I I went through um Asia, I was there for about six years. I wanted to move back to Australia, where I was from. I, I missed Australia, <laughs> and uh, wanted to move home. Came back, and um, I didn't initially start pack. I actually worked for JP Morgan, who at the time owned Audmanet, a stockbroking firm. Um, moved back and they said, well, don't leave, try stockbroking. Essentially, um, it, was, it was great, but it wasn't, as I said, I've been through every part of finance. <laughs> um, and I always had the ambition. I always had the ambition after a while, Mark, that I ended up like butting heads with management a lot, like after a while. Like I think that most people were just like, why do you keep wanting to improve that process or question why is that done? And, 
and people have said to me over the time, I think you're just always bound to start your own business. People who are young entrepreneurs, probably like yourself, are always bound to do their own thing, you know. And I was 30, about 30 years old when I thought about starting my own business, 36 now, and, and yeah, three years ago I did it. Um, so I broke away and started a pack with – I had a bit of money in mind that I'd saved when I was in Asia, and um, I started to manage that personally and started to invest in stocks I knew or – different sort of thematics. I actually really enjoy the the global macro piece. I actually enjoy trying to figure out what's happening with countries and currencies. And uh, even though macro is really hard, I enjoy that part. Um, so I started to asset allocate my money around the world and and wasn't a, a great deal, but it was enough to do. And um, saying that, I, I actually met a guy up on the golf course, up in, up in the Gold Coast, and he said, hey, um, if you're doing that anyway, can you manage a, a bit of money for me? And that was a few million dollars at the time and uh, charging a percentage fee under management, not not any brokerage or anything. So I thought, well, this is a good deal. I, I can charge. It had good residual revenue. You know, I was charging, let's say it's $1 million, 1%, 10 grand a year, almost $1,000 a month, every month, as long as I grow it, it was good business. So started that three years ago. Uh, with those three three values I spoke about. And the C, the consistent part that you touched on, that was something I wasn't good at. Like that was something I've had to really learn. Like I was, I heard it from, from clients a lot. And as I said, I, I really try and listen. And they're like, you say you were going to send a, a report to me by Friday and I'd get it Monday. I, was, I wasn't consistent. I wasn't, if markets were good or bad, regardless, get your report on Friday, call me on Tuesday when you say you're going to and never miss that. Yeah. That's something being consistent is something whew, I heard, something I'd get a rhythm you can stick get, to. Stick to. And I I wasn't like that. Like I just was I'll get yeah, I'll get that back to you later. And people are like, that's not uh, you're managing money of mine. I, that can't happen. <laughs> and I listened to the couple of really clients who are like, you have to change this. And PAC is standing mm-hmm. for those um, Best, characteristics. Yeah. PAC was formed, which is yeah. basically not basic, but it's a managed fund. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now and, it runs four uh, funds, yeah. and 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 it's got and you have sub funds and everything. Yeah, under yeah, it. yeah. And, yep. and and we'll talk after the break yeah. where you're investing this money. But yeah. um, how much money would you have today under management? Sure. So I started three years ago with uh, sort of four to eight. Now it's over two hundred. Two hundred million. Yep. So you have two hundred million dollars under management. And you were thirty six years of age. In three years. Yeah, it's it's three years, and that's growth. a pretty good outcome. Um, yeah. Well, I, I had set goals, but I sort of said to myself. I want to get to a hundred million in five years, and I want to get to a billion was my number. After sort of ten, that was my years. So I've hit my five year number. And and the performance, uh, the performance of the multi asset funds uh, at twelve percent of the last three years, which is they're the um, sort of quite conservative seventy thirty portfolios. So between twelve and fifteen percent, depending on how much risk you want to take. And I'll touch on. I think today we're going to talk about the two other. New strategies I'm I'm doing in pack and how I'm differentiating myself, which is uh, the the esports fund that I've done, um, and the big innovation fund which has been going this year, and that's up forty and fifty eight percent. Okay, so let's go to the brain. We want to come back. I yeah. want to talk about that those in reverse order. I want to talk about the, yeah, the big innovation fund first. Yep. So we go to the break. We come straight back. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online 
you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Back from the break, I'm here with Clay Larkham or Clayton Larkham, and um, he, his main fun is called PAC, and we know what it stands for, but mm-hmm. that doesn't really matter now. Um, we want to talk about what it does. Mm. Um, we know it's got 200 million on management. It's got a, a bloody good return. Mm. It's largely would have been for wholesale investors, though, I'd yep. say. Yep. In other words, a, a sophisticated investor, yep. someone who can invest more than half a million dollars at a time. Is that, is yep. that right? Yeah. Okay. So you like macro thematics. I mean, mm. what's going on in the world effectively mm. is sort of what attracts you as a as an interest. And mm. I'd say when you then choose the things to invest in, mm. in PAC, you've invested mm. in those things. But you've got these two other initiatives going mm. on now. Mm. And the one's eSport, which yep. is really cool. Yeah. So what happened was this. It started off pack when I started. It started off with five, ten families. It was almost like a family office for these families. And yep. um it just evolved in the fact that I wanted to – it wasn't that scalable. I could probably manage 15 to 30 clients, but it was quite – had a ceiling, you know. So that's why my business has changed, which I'll, I'll touch on. So um, what happened was a few – two years ago, I, I, I didn't know much about esports or gaming. I didn't come from a, a gaming background. No, as in gamers. Gamers. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't a gamer. Yeah. And I didn't really understand what esports was. Yeah. I didn't really – and esports is essentially electronic sports. And it's essentially competitive video gaming. Yep. People ask, where did you meet at this company? And I actually met them in the gym. <laughs> I was in the gym and they said, they started a company called, um, it was an esports company called Picklebet. And they said to me, Clay, we've just started this company. Um, we know you manage some money and have a bit of your own. Uh, we're looking for a seed investor because we are using our credit cards and borrowed money from our dad and we think it's a great idea. And I'm like, look. I, I don't run a VC fund. I've never invested in that, um, but I'll have a look at it. But they're looking for venture capital. They're looking for venture capital. Startup money. capital. Startup yeah. capital. They'll start up capital, C capital. I spent a few, it's about three to six months looking at esports and how big this was globally. And I started to really unpack every part of the, the esports ecosystem, which is not only eyeballs, generations, and um, how much money is going into the space, but I also looked at essentially I thought, I spent a lot of time in Asia and how big it was there. And America is is not as big as Asia. 70% of esports happens in Asia. But there's more eyeballs on sports and esports than normal sports now. So I'm like, wow, this is 
They oh, are, how do you mean? Like, give us an example. Oh, so like essentially last year, more people watched Fortnite or Dota or, or World Cup championships through different streaming platforms, not actually in the stadiums because we couldn't because of COVID. Um, but more people around the world watched esports than normal sports, NFL, rugby league. When I first w- was looking at esports, um, Tiger Woods won the Augusta Masters that year, 2019. He won $2 million in prize money. There was, a, there was another uh, show that I watched. It was the Fortnite World Championships, which is a similar event. 120,000 people in this stadium watching this Physically. In Physically it. in a stadium watching. Instead of watching sports, they are watching two, two groups play against each other on screen, just like a normal sport. Wow. And the kid, the 16-year-old kid, Booger, who won that, won over $3 million, more than Tiger did. <laughs> and I was like, something's going on here. i got to have a really good look at this. And that's when it really kicked off for me and I, looked, I started diving into it really hard. And uh, it's even bigger now. Yeah. I mean, COVID's made it bigger. Yeah, yeah it is. It's, it's, it's like COVID streaming, especially when it comes to They're not going to sit in a physical And it's, um, and it's COVID proof. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's, it's around the other way. Like it's because, yeah. because I'm COVID, I'm bored, I'm at home mm. and I've got time, I'm going to dial into my favourite eSport, wherever it might be. Exactly. So. Exactly right. But it also, for me too, hit another nerve that it was a deeper, it wasn't just about the sport, it was a, it was a deeper social shift that well, was Tell happened. me about that because yeah, yeah. I'm curious about that. Yeah, so yeah. What, so what does it, that mean? It was it, People were communicating. It was the next generation were not going down to, um, for example, I said to a couple, a couple of younger kids that worked for me, they said, are you going to watch the football game this weekend? Like, you know, you're going to have a barbecue? He's like, we're going to have a barbecue, but we're going to go. We, we're, we're watching the, the eSports match on. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, and so just like we would watch football. Yeah, like you would go to the rugby. Yeah. And you watch uh, Australia versus whoever, South Africa. They were all having a barbecue to, to watch two people playing against each other in a controlled game, in a match from different sides of the world. So they were controlling the team. Let's just say a soccer match, a, a digital soccer match, FIFA. One person was controlling the team who was sitting in Poland and the other guy was controlling the team sitting in Prague. You know, like it was. Quite and they a, would watch that. And it, it, that's, they were just so couldn't wait to see it because these guys, they, they were like their heroes. Yeah, it, it was their heroes who were playing that game. It's for, for me. It's like right? you're watching David Campisi. <laughs> exactly. You know, but, but this playing is against a, the barbarians or something. But this is the difference that, that, that I realized after looking at it and hearing it. Even though I watch NBA, I, I know I'm never going to be, I'm never going to be. LeBron James. I'm never going to dunk, never going to be that tall. But these guys watch these players and they, are, they relate to them. They're, I can be that person I, because it's not, you're not bound by physical size, anything. It's about how much you can move your, your control or, or, or your brain capacity to, to win. So what I'm saying is that people could relate to the, their heroes a lot more. Than, than what you do on a football field. I know I'm never going to be that big. I'm never going to tackle like that. But people can look at these gamers and be that gamer. And you're so sort of like creating an avatar of yourself exactly. and, and yeah. you become that gamer, Yep, that person or that, that, that individual in that basketball yep. game. Yep. Exactly. It's, exactly. It's sort of quite interesting. Um, mm. And I'm trying to work out what it is. Um, what yeah, do you Because they communicate too. There's, 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 how? How? Well, th- okay, so what happens is you have this, um, this community of people who are sitting at home who have a passion and love for electronic um, gaming, you know, yep. that th- they have maybe typically in their life been a bit of a, have not been um, outcasted for that love, you know, be at home and I love Nintendos and gaming. You probably just stay at home and, and, and that they love their own time in their own room with their own game. Mm. But now 
because of the evolution of Wi-Fi and communication channels and Discord and a few other channels, not only can they link up with people around the world and play and communicate, see each other through a virtual reality system now, which oh, that's the next stage, and then the metaverse. The metaverse, yeah. yeah. Where people are meeting up in these scenarios in the metaverse playing a game as someone else against each other with someone else around the world. So you are linking up in a community. And when I say that it's a deeper, deeper than just the electronic sports, it's, it's more of a shift in the fact that people can, can log into these gaming systems, communicate with each other, find a community of friends where they all can meet up and talk about, as we would talk up, meet up and talk about rugby league or rugby union. They talk about an upcoming match coming up. It's, but do they do it as as the avatar of themselves? They, they can. They, they, they can, but... Are we going that far yet? Or we're close. We're close. Where they actually live in another reality in a, yeah. in a parallel universe? Yeah. Well, this is happening now. I'm actually going over to the, to the States, hopefully, to Miami where that's all happening. And people are living in these VR yeah, yeah. sort of metaverse worlds. They've got the Oculus yeah, goggles on. Where people are staying in there for days at a time and are, be, are living in that world. No. Yep. So people are trying to get them out and they eat and they, the people uh, want to live in there forever, <laughs> you know, like for, for a longer period of time. It's like traveling to Mars but not going to Mars. Yeah, but you actually become you're that stand, person. You're standing on the – yeah, but you do become the person because yeah. in your own brain, your brain gets tricked yeah. into thinking that's the person they are in the goggles. Yep, exactly. And yep. then there's all like, – there's another group that I'm meeting up with too with um, part of the government who has looking at training for, for going to war – you know, going into situations in the head where they go into battle. It's also going to hospitals where they look at maybe you have some um, disabilities where you put this on and be someone else and can walk or, you know, there's a lot That's of- cool. That's cool. Yeah. That's fucking cool. That is cool. Like if, mm. like if you're, you know, not able to walk, all of a sudden you can walk. You can walk, exactly. You see what it's like and feel it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, a- or even, yeah, that's fucking, that, that, that's, a, that's a super cool sort mm. of, um, it's a bit tangential, but like it's super cool. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, I could talk with this shit forever, but yeah, let's I'm just go back. Let's so go back to so Picklebet. So could I. So you went into Picklebet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You so so, so Picklebet started then. These guys. Uh, so the Picklebet guys. Nick and Dave uh, the betting founders. business. It, it, yeah, it's it's an online um, betting business. It's a gambling business, which essentially allows you to put um, bets placed on esports matches coming up around the world at any one point. So we're gonna just, just get ahead yeah. around this. So uh, so just like so sports, there, so let's say there's a. Um, I don't know. Well, let's pick a new sport. Pick one for me. FIFA. Basketball. FIFA. FIFA. Okay, soccer. Well, FIFA, football. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, a FIFA match on, watching it, mm-hmm. and I can have a bet. Pick-a-bet sets your So in your case, yeah, pick-a-bet sets your So you're Betfair. Yeah, exactly. You're equivalent yeah, yeah, to yeah, Betfair, but bet. in esports. Yeah, sports bet. But, but they um, – yeah, exactly. But we're offering odds for matches based on form and everything these players have. But Pick-a-bet just um, – Tailors for esports matches. Around so there. you you invested in Picklebet. So where where I, is Picklebet I, I today? I invested when five, years ago when I first met Nick and Damon, who are the founders. Um, they were doing fifty thousand dollars in turnover a month. They and their margin was ten percent, so they're making five grand a month. It was costing them about forty grand a month to run the business. With so burning thirty five. They had about six months left to runway, and it was lights off. And yeah. um, and uh, I spent time looking at it. In in summary, I um. <laughs> I put up 50% of my wealth in that because I borrowed and I put up 50% of the money I had in the bank and bought the largest shareholder of that company because I really did the work and believed in it. <laughs> and um, fast forward to now, they were doing $50,000 a month in turnover. 
Now, last month, they did ten million. Right, so it's it's a it's, it's a big it's multiplier. Gonna... <laughs> and you raised money. I raised about twenty million throughout the course of the last yep. two years. Yep, uh, through different stages, I was seed, and then what happened was this: that 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 investment, like as I said, I didn't run a VC company, and I didn't want to put my clients' money in front of this. If if, if Picobet didn't work, my money goes because yeah, yeah. I never I, I wasn't building a VC company. Yeah, it's the only time when I opened it up to the next stage was when Picobet started to make material revenue. And I knew that went to Series B, you know, like along yep, the yep. chain. And then it just went to a pre-IPO stage. Yep. It was getting ready for listing. So only then did I put, did I call my clients and say, here's an option for you. Yep. Um, and I gave them the option. And so now PAC owns 50% of Picklebet. Just finish on that. So obviously I had esports running through my veins and blood and I, and I knew the space for years. And I thought, well, how can I, I'm understanding esports so well in the listed world. And I thought, I'm talking to esports companies every night around the world, every night. And I thought, wow, like I can actually use all this knowledge that I know in the listed space and build out a fund that is purely investing in companies all around the world that are focused on trying to make revenue from esports, which is nothing to do with gambling. It's just mainly about yeah, it's not it's not like pick a bet, it's not setting no, wages. No, no. It's about investing in esports businesses. Co- companies, yeah, yeah. Yeah, around the world, which is between 10 to 15 companies. Um, none of them are involved with gambling, but that's that's not a, a problem for the fund. That's that's not focused on that. But yeah, it's it, it's companies like Nintendo, EA Sports. It's companies like Tencent. You know, like it was some of the biggest companies in the world mm-hmm. that are esports focused. And I sort of be, was able to use my skills, just like I would unpack BHP's balance sheet. I can do the same, but for a company in Sweden or the Nasdaq, which is esports focused, and really. Yeah, give people access to it. Which, yeah, which yeah. So it's bringing product yeah. to it's, the market, which a market yeah. would not otherwise have. Yeah. It's all packaged up. It's curated. Yeah. Um, curated and, uh, and it's managed and assessed mm. regularly. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. In a person like me, for example, I, mm. I, like I don't know where to mm. find information on this sort of stuff. I don't have time to mm. find information on this mm. sort of stuff. But you you package mm. together. It's a bit like um, what, say, someone might do this for crypto. Mm. So mm. someone might bring a package of crypto. Mm-mm. Yep. To, for me to yep. invest in, and yep. they, they then decide which crypto they're in and out of. Yeah, exactly. So, like a managed fund for crypto. Yep, exactly. Um, you know, so yep. they might have a bit of Bitcoin. Yep. They might have a bit of Ether in there. They might have a bit of you yep. know all the various other ones. I'm curious about them. May, may not ever have the opportunity to, mm. or the time, or the mm. bandwidth to work out what these esports companies are. Yeah. So, give me an example of some of the esports companies that are in this particular. What is the fund called, by the way? It's the Pack Global Esports Fund. Yeah. Pack Global Esports, esports fund. fund is available for retail or just wholesale. It's actually that's a good question to ask. Over the last year, originally when I started, it was only open to wholesale only, which means you have to have more than two point five million in net assets or yeah, yeah. make more than two hundred fifty grand. It's a funny, it's a funny classification, but I found a disconnect. I found the fact that people who were who qualified as a, as a wholesale investor, it was the wrong demographic. It was the wrong market. It needed to be someone who I do some speakings and mentor programs at Sydney Uni. And a lot of the kids are like, can I put $500 totally. in your fund? And, and I said, I can't, you're wholesale. I'm wholesale only. Yeah. So over the last nine months, I've, I've worked with ASIC and- um, That's the regulator. That's yep. the regulator to make sure, because they have to go through to make sure, before they give you authority to run a retail fund, they have to go through that you're a reputable manager and have the process in place because you then have the ability to manage to- People in someone's superannuation who has hundred thousand dollars in the super to be able to put in your fund, it comes with a lot of responsibility and 
it, it was nine months for a reason. So now as of January, uh, my retail fund will be open to uh, anyone to put a minimum $1,000 into the fund. Um, before it was $25,000 minimum and wholesale only. And now they're all open to retail investors. And, and so just in terms of mm. r- returns, yep. like, what, what is that um, yep. fund sort of showing? So That's far? done 40% this year, 39%. 40% increase. Return. Yeah. And the innovation fund, which I'll, I'll touch on, that's done 58 I really want to do something different. I really wanted to – well, when I started the eSports fund, people were like, eSports? What do you mean? Like you just – that's not a real sort of sector or, or, and it's been a year of having to stand up and, and talk about it. Now people are taking notice with the, the returns of having, having and also how big it is. But this is all part of a theme that is innovation around the world. It's things that are disrupting or improving a process. It's like, it's a bit, it, it's growth. It's things that are affecting cars, electric cars, lithium, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, blockchain. These are all areas that I get excited about and spend all my nights and days looking at and trying to find the next opportunity um, to invest in. And that's why I broke away and started. There's the eSports fund and then there's the innovation fund. Now, the innovation fund, is it has eSports in it because eSports is, a, is an innovation topic. I think innovation is not as big as eSports fund right now because it's, quite, it's a bit newer. But I think innovation will be the, the blue chip sort of gold part of PAC because it has about 10% allocation to esports, artificial intelligence. It has an allocation to blockchain. You have to. You can't avoid that. It is an innovation topic that needs to be addressed. And um, so essentially they are both running similar themes. They're a global fund that has 20 to, uh, 15 to 20 positions, um, all in that innovation. And theme. how much money have you, have, have you attracted into that? Um, it was about innovation fund so far. In the innovation, it's like four million, but right. the innovation just kicked off like twenty. The esports, yeah, twenty, yeah, mm. and uh, and your in your traditional pack fund, the, the, the first fund mm. is a couple hundred million. Mm, the, yeah, that's about hundred eighty. It's, it's interesting. Is that, that's about yeah. hundred eighty. But then you've got the venture capital funds where all the pickle bet sits. Yep. And now because pickle bet is about to get a listing, and pack owns fifty percent of that, and that's now valued north of two hundred million. That company. Right, so, so it's, it's sort of interesting though that uh, you start off with your traditional yeah. uh, family office, yeah, more conservative, more probably mm. defensive, or just looking mm. for a return that's better than bank return. Yeah, yeah, you know, like, mm. uh, and then you've slightly gone—I don't want to say down the <laughs> the curve because actually the curve is actually showing you far better mm. returns mm. than your your traditional stuff, mm. I'd say, mm. but. Uh, you're, but you've gone down the curve in terms of um, awareness, what people mm. would ordinarily invest in. And it really, I mean, maybe what your game is, if I could summarise it, is mm. that you're bringing to the broader community, now retail investors, um, access to, through your platforms, mm. um, products, investable products, mm. that they would not ordinar- ordinarily yeah. out of bed get access exactly. to. And you're curating them for mm. them and you're managing them for them. I bet them. them. Yeah. yeah. You're yeah. finding them mm. or your team's finding mm. them. Mm. And uh, and you'll bring him to the party. It's funny you should say about the university students. Um, you know, uh, I find the people under thirty mm. are far more um, open to. Or in fact, not open. They are looking for innovations. Looking for it. They don't want to invest in no. uh, with the greatest respect to yeah. banks or uh, BHP, or whatever. One hundred percent. They're not looking for the defensive five percent yep. returns. You know, fully frank, they yep. couldn't give a shit about it. They, the they last, want the growth. Yeah, it's the last generation that will ask, 
what is the how much franking credits does Commonwealth Bank shares pay? Like, or even though it's really important, how much dividends? I reckon that that general that passing of wealth down to the next generation, it, they won't ask those questions again because they're well, looking you, for. Well, tell me some. Like, I mean, we have, we're going to run a short time, but I, hmm. I mean, what would you say to somebody though? I mean, I know you're not a financial planner, you're not out there professing to be a financial hmm. planner, etc. But just just generally, I mean, hmm. would you say to somebody if you've got a hundred grand, mm-hmm. would you say to them? Allocate mm. fifty grand towards innovation fund or yep. your esports, yep. and then the other fifty to your traditional stuff. I mean, what, how would you go about it if you're well? A- okay, like, let's look at the way I've set pack up. Right, every dollar that I have is in those three parts of pack. There's the pack multi asset, which is superannuation money. Yep. I have super money that's all in those portfolios. Then I've got the pack innovation funds, esports funds, which is. Then I've got the pack private. So the three factors where every dollar I have. Is in those three funds. So, if you had, a, if I had a hundred grand, I'd say, well, keep it diversified and structured. Keep seventy. Uh, I would say fifty percent in the big global multi asset. Have some fixed income. Have some offshore exposure. But you can also have some exposure to five percent to these innovative themes of esports and blockchain and crypto, um, cybersecurity in different areas. Like we are not investing in companies that are. Under, they're not startup companies. These mm. companies are billion dollar companies. They're, they're, they're just as big as some of the banks or miners here yeah. that it, they're in. So they're not just little companies. And, and you're not saying, uh, Mark or, or, mm. or, you know, Jess, who, mm. you know, who's under 30, say, mm. Jess, well, you're not saying to her, go and you pick your own stocks. You're investing in a fund where I'm, you, or your team is picking all the stocks. He's, so he's- you're getting some sort of level of, um, uh, diversity and variation and uh, diversification mm. as well so that totally. you're, you're not taking too much risk on any one particular thing. I reckon if you went into those, if those three funds, and I would say you'd have 5% allocation to something private, take a, something that means something to you and maybe some, you need like a VC manager for that, yeah, which yeah. I'm not there yet for that, mm. but I will be. Um, there would be 500 stocks to 1,000 across those portfolios. So you are well diversified. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, so you are not just buying a bit of BHP and a bit of Commonwealth Bank and a bit of Facebook stocks in overseas. You are buying indexes which hold 500 companies, S&P 500 or ASX 200. Like, you are covered with 700 stocks there. <laughs> so you don't think you're diversified. And what's your ambition from here? My ambition from here is I- Because that's I out of pack. <laughs> exactly. 2022 is going to be a big year. I've just actually in the middle of moving into- Pretty big office space in Macquarie Street. Um, I always seem to bite off more than I can chew, and I chew like chew like hell to get there. <laughs> and this is a three hundred square meter office space. Um, there's fifteen of us, so I believe in my growth. <laughs> I, I better. So um, that that that's that's that part. I feel like my team's going to grow, and we've got a really good um, really good year ahead. Picklebet's going to be listing this year, either in the ASX or the Nasdaq. All my funds go retail now. All my funds are now open to retail investors. So anyone can invest yeah. as long as you've got 500 bucks. Yeah. I have a really clear ambition while, while we're here that I think that I think those two active funds that I talk about, the Innovation Fund or Esports, I really have a clear ambition that I want those funds to be eventually one day go to what's called an active ETF. So by what I mean is that is ETF or exchange-traded funds are essentially you can buy one stock on the stock exchange and get access to multiple stocks within that. So if I want access to the ASX 200 companies 
an ETF you can buy on the stock market, buy one stock, and it'll give you access to those two other companies. Everyone that I speak to and hear about this younger generation that we speak to all the time now, whether it's through the, the Picklebet side or just my own interest, everyone has a Comsec account. Everyone is buying stocks on Superhero. Everyone, totally. Is, everyone. But no one, it's really hard for them to buy units in my fund, you know, because you can't just do it on the app. That, that's something I've got to work out, how to, how to get those guys access to that, which at the moment, if I can turn my fund into a stock, Everyone has access to buy stocks in the stock market. So they can get access to my esports fund. They can get all the holdings in there and they can just buy like they're buying a stock on the stock exchange. That's- and I think what's important there is that uh, you allow, you know, the people under those mm. people under 30, then they've as much more liquidity. They can they actually can trade the stock. Yeah, really they can easily get in and out. Through ComSec or wherever yeah, it is, through really, their account. Really low broke cost yeah. for them. And- but right now, how would you do it? Right now, if I'm a 25-year-old person, I've got a bit of spare cash, I want to go into uh, one, uh-huh. one of the funds, yep. how do I do it? Where do I go? Okay, well, they well, now they can. there's an application form in the back of the document which is on my website. Yep. Um, they have to fill that What's out. What's the website called? It's www.packcapital.com.au. Yep. yep. That's where they fill out the application form, but um, and then they get access to a portal where they can view their holdings. Every day gets updated to know how much. Sort of like a wallet. Yeah, yeah, it's like a wallet, but. It's still a bit of a disconnect. I want yeah, that wallet yeah. to be inside a bigger platform. Which yeah, is, yeah, yeah. You know, I just climbed. I just climbed a mountain to get to these to retail, and I know there's a big mountain behind to climb now, and I'm just ready to do it. Well, mate, you, mm. you, I know you're, you're young enough, and I've been watching you for probably two years mm. now. Um, you've done everything you said you were you were going to do, <laughs> and uh, and I think you're doing some really interesting, cool things mm. for a younger generation mm. who are just dying for this sort of stuff. Mm. But I would say to the older generation, my generation, mm. start fucking listening to this sort of stuff mm. because mm. you can't play defensive your whole life. Yeah. I know one thing. If, you, if you're ahead of the game mm. in any game, whatever it is, rugby union game, rugby league game, you start playing defensive, you're a big chance of losing the game. Yeah. Spot on, yeah. You've, you've mm. got to stop playing defensive all the time. Yeah. Uh, you front don't front. protect your lead. Yeah. <laughs> you start protecting your lead. You're taking risk, yeah. And a lot of people think, oh, if I protect the lead, I'm actually being risk averse. Yeah, no. Equally, by protecting a lead, playing defensive, you are taking a risk mm. as well. That's a good point, and yeah. that's something mm. really important for my yeah. generation yeah. to think about. That is important, and I know the younger generation don't think that because they've got less. They're not taking. They're not playing defensive. They've got nothing to lose, mm. so they might as well fucking play offensive. It. Go for it. Yeah, yeah and that's dangerous for people like me to yeah. look at that. So totally. uh, I would say to anyone who's you know, I would say that anyone who's played defensive, have a think about this yeah. and think about your allocations. Yeah. Well. Clay Larkham, good luck. I hope you get overseas. I hope you get your test <laughs> so you can get on that aeroplane. Yeah, thanks. But, mate, very good luck. All the best to you. And, thanks, and, and I hope 2022 yeah. you kill it. Thanks, mate. I thanks, appreciate Clay. it. Thanks for everything. Thank good, you. mate. Thanks. <laughs> thanks for listening to another episode of The Mentor with Mark Boris. Audio and production is by Jessica Smalley. Production assistance. Simon McDermott. This is a mentored podcast. Where's that dust coming from? 
Still finding debris after vacuuming? Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has 8,000 PA of powerful suction to remove debris deep in carpets. And it's totally hands-free. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's EUFY.com and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best in class all in one robot vacuum for only $799. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news ad free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.